Hope you got your entries in. Musiccontest.co. The contest is now officially over. We're going to be going through a lot of submissions. We got some really amazing ones. You're going to be finding out in the next couple weeks who wins the $15,000 prize pack. This is Seth Mosley, and you're listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music is. Have you ever wondered what it takes to break a new artist? Is it about a big break or is it a marathon? Well, today you're going to find that out. We had a phenomenal interview with Josh Bailey, head of A&R for Word Entertainment. Note, I did not say Word Records. It's Word Entertainment. We're going to dive in deep to Josh Bailey's story, how he got to where he is without even having a college degree in music at all. And I'm going to let him share a little more of that. But before we do... I wanted to make sure you heard from me personally. You've only got a few days left to sign up for the Brian Tracy three-day event, May 13th through 15th in Dallas, Texas. Go to briantracymeetsfullcircle.com. briantracymeetsfullcircle.com. Josh Bailey in this interview talks about the importance of team and having the right connections. This event is a phenomenal way to do just that and to upgrade your network, upgrade your connections, and to maximize your own personal development. So check it out again, Brian Tracy meets fullcirclemusic.com. I'll be there hanging out all three days. I'd love to see you there. And let's jump into the interview. Got Josh Bailey in the house today. Yep. What, what? You've been here many times, <laughs> never on these occasions. But thanks for uh, being on the Full Circle Music Show today. Yeah, glad to be here. Good way to start a Monday morning. Yeah. So that's that's a good way to jump in the conversation Monday morning what's what's the first thing on your mind you're for those people who don't know out there you're head of an a and r for a really successful label called Word Records and what's first thing on your mind Monday morning? Well, I'm usually uh checking my schedule to make sure I'm aware of what all's going on today thankfully yesterday i I checked my schedule to remember that I was coming over to hang with you but um but yeah, I mean I woke up this morning at 4.45 and probably spent the first two hours of the morning uh, just catching up on email since Friday. Is 4.45 your normal go time? Yeah, I mean, it's usually somewhere between 4 and 5, honestly, at least over the last couple of months it's been that way. Um, I can't say that my whole career has been that way, but it's been been a wild season. So for me, I've been, uh, I've been getting up early. I prefer to do the early thing versus the night thing. So I get up early and it's a good quiet time. Not a whole lot of people are up and emailing. So it allows me to catch up. Catching up from kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever happens over the weekend. Obviously, artists are working nights and weekends most of the time. So there's usually a lot that happens over the weekend that I try to avoid <laughs> as much as I can so I can have family time and, and just get away from things. So Monday's catch up and Mondays we've got a lot of our kind of meetings in the office for the week. So we kind of start off with quite a few few meetings as well. But but yeah, I kind of I kind of consider Monday mornings kind of recovery time from the weekend. I gotcha. So for the position that you have now, you're the head of a successful A and R for a record label. I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and sneeze and get that job. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> What's the backstory? I mean, sure. how'd you how'd you get to to where you're at? Well, I always tell folks that uh, when they ask me that that I kind of fell into it. Um, so I didn't wake up and have the job, but I do say that I kind of fell into it. And really, I say that because I didn't go to school for it. I went to a little private Christian school up in Ohio. Um, OH. Great school. Yeah, OH. <laughs> I-O. And I, I was going to get into politics. I was going to go to law school. I took the LSAT. 
Uh, worked in D.C. for a little bit with a uh, with a U.S. senator. Had the opportunity to go back after graduated and had a job lined up and was applying to law schools and and I just felt like this tug that it wasn't it wasn't what I was supposed to do. I didn't really want to go to school for another three or four years and uh, I just didn't know if I wanted to get into the whole political game. So I decided that hey I I had a passion for music. It made a huge impact on my life growing up and. I didn't. I wasn't much of a musician. I played. I played growing up. I played piano. Played in the jazz band. Did some saxophone, alto, and baritone. So I was around music a lot, but it, it wasn't my gifting per se. Um, even when I did play in those things, I always felt like I was a hack. Can we find videos of that online? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm too old now. <laughs> Not on YouTube. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think uh, there, there was no camera phones back then. Um, so uh, yeah, I just decided. You know what? I, I just felt like the Lord lead me to to Nashville. I didn't really know a whole lot of people, but felt like, hey, if I'm going to get into music, you know, specifically maybe even Christian music, Nashville would be a great place to be. So. I moved down here in 2004, right after I graduated from college. My degree is in public administration and political science, so nothing to do with music. And moved down here in summer of 2004, got a job at a restaurant waiting tables for a few months, and quickly then uh, met a guy named Tom Jackson, which is uh, like a, he's a live show producer, uh, works with a lot of artists all over the world, actually, and speaks at a lot of events, and worked for Tom for six, eight months, and Learned a lot about in, independent music and on the stage and just really kind of fell in love with the whole idea of working with artists. During that time, I got to meet Rod and Susan Riley, which at that moment were, they owned a little independent record label called Fervent Records, which was doing extremely well. Uh, it was distributed by uh, Provident. I actually got to meet them through now my wife, Kellen. She uh, was working for them already and... So her and I were hanging out. We weren't, we, we, I don't even think we were even dating at that point. And I got to meet Rod and Susan, and that quickly led to a lot of conversations of how I could help them um, as they were kind of exploring, actually selling their company to Word and Warner. Um, so uh, that quickly led to them offering me to come over and help before they sold the company. So I, I came over in early 2005 and started helping them, and then... The company sold, I think, in April of 2005, and we all moved over to Word. So I only had a couple months there as an independent, and then we moved over to Word and became part of Word. But I really didn't have a job, specific job at that point. It was I was kind of doing a lot of different things. Um, I worked in the events department for a little bit at Word, which at the time was just kind of like our corporate events, sales conference, that kind of stuff. So I worked there for a couple months, and then... I think honestly, because I, I had no idea what A&R was, still figuring that out. But so that so that's what I was going to ask. You didn't get hired first as an A&R person. No, not at all. I because I didn't go to school for. It. I didn't study anything about music business. Yeah. So I don't. I didn't really know what the positions were. And you never interned at a label. No, never intern. Nope. Um, Interesting. So it it was just you know it was purely relationships and uh, I think because over the probably that six months of when I started. Before they sold the company, then probably the three or four months post sell, uh, the sale of it, I I think I probably a couple on a couple occasions sent some artists over to at the time Susan Riley was running, running uh, not only running Fervent but then started running A and R at Word. I think I just I, I sent some artists over her way just to make her aware of them. So and I, she just felt like maybe hey maybe this guy could help me out in A and R. She needed some help so. 
that's why I tell people I fell into it. That's that's awesome. So <laughs> have you noticed your kind of background in politics helping you in the music business? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, whether it's politics or, I mean, just I just think the relational thing, you know, is pretty key. You know, kind of understanding people and being able to relate to them and, and talk with them and 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 gain trust um, and influence is pretty key in the role. So I feel like people realize I pretty I have a pretty soft approach and try to be tender in the way I, I interact with people um, as much as I can, but also still have, you know, uh, some authority and and hey, I, I got to speak from my heart, got to speak from my gut of what I think is right. I think all those kind of you know tie into a little bit of that you know political thing. Not that all politics are super uh, honest and truthful all the time, but but yeah, you know, <laughs> rabbit trail there. But yeah. but yeah, I, I do think that kind of has plays into some of my abilities and what I'm doing in in the saying our role. Yeah, well, it's it's a political business, and it really is all about. I I, I like that you brought up those two words, influence and trust, and how does that play into being a good A&R person? Well, I mean, you know, artists um, and songwriters can be delicate and, you know, they're creative. They live in their their heads a lot, but then they're asked to put that out on uh, on the table through songs and music. And so, you know, there's a lot of sensitivities there. And for me, I want to be respectful of that and understand that, hey, this business, you know, of music and creating it can there's not necessarily a right and wrong, you know. There's a lot of great and there's some bad too. And trying to help folks that I work with become better through my experiences over the last 11 or 12 years, you know, for me to have a seat at that table, I feel like you really have to have to gain their trust. And that then gives you the ability to influence what they're doing. Um, so to me, those are those are key things. And it's not in a twisted way. It's It's really in just a... Hey, this is a part of relationship. This is part of walking through this. You know, for us to be able to work together, we need to trust each other, and um, we have to allow each other to speak into what we're doing. So, and and it's an open door my way too. I want artists to come back to me and say, "Hey, it really would be helpful if you did this this way, or you treated it this way, or whatever." You know, for me, it's always a learning experience, and there's always something new, and the business is always changing. So, I want to be really open-handed about how. I do my job and how I interact with folks. Yeah. So we've had a few A&R guys on the show so far. What What is your definition of what What do you do? What's an What does an A&R person do? Because we've heard airports and restaurants. We've I have heard... a di- I have a different A for airports, but I, it, I I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it to myself. But but yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. I'll let you finish it. Your your what you've heard so far. No, no, no. That that's that's essentially yeah, airports it. and restaurants. Airports, yeah. restaurants, and signing artists. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I think A and R is one of the few roles, at least at our label, that has probably changed the least, but yet it's still changed a lot. I mean, there's been so much change over the last 15 years when it comes to record labels. You know, honestly, we don't even refer to ourselves as a record label anymore. You know, we're a music company, and we do a lot of different things. Um, you don't refer yourselves as a record label. You're a music company. That's that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and we can dive into that. Well, what, what does that mean? <laughs> well, you're, I, the, you're the first person I've ever heard say that. Yeah. Well, I just record label is just one part of what we do, and I represent the whole company uh, in in a lot of different areas. The front of our building says Word Entertainment. It doesn't say Word Records. It doesn't say Fervent Records. It, it doesn't say records at all. 
because we're in a business that really honestly is so much more than records now. And for us, the mentality and the philosophy of referring to ourselves as a record label is, is just so dated. So for us, you know, we're thinking about how we partner with our artists and our songwriters and our filmmakers in a whole different way. And it's got to be wider than, than, than records. I think entertainment company is great. Uh, music company, what, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can spin it. But, and really, honestly, that comes down to that we have our own live events company. We have our own booking agency. None of those really have a whole lot to do with, with selling records. Yeah, they, they impact it. But, you know, their business isn't to sell records. Their business is to sell a show or put an artist on a tour or whatever, you know. So those are parts of our company that don't necessarily have a whole lot to do with a typical record label model. Now, we're all tied in really well together and we all work very closely. So, but, yeah, I mean, we distribute records and we make records and we sell records and we promote them. But we're just how we partner with artists is is much different than the typical record label model, and we just we're thinking much wider than selling records these days. So, so that probably gives you a little bit different role already as an A and R person. Yeah, good good way to tie that back in because typical, you know, A and R in the past was sign the artist and help them make their record, right? Yep. And yeah. and honestly, that's where I spend a lot of my time, but. When I'm sitting down with an artist, whether new or, or one that we've had and established, it's, yeah, we're, we're talking differently. It's not just about records. And, and not that other people around town that are a little more record label model focused aren't doing this as well. It's just I have to go into a conversation with a new artist and, and talk wider than just making the record and, and songs. I want that to be our focus in the A&R conversation, but as I'm talking about what we do as a company, uh, we're thinking much more global and, and wider in the sense of how we partner with them. So our deals are, are structured that way. You know, obviously you've heard the 360 thing thrown around a lot. And there's Explain th that just for people out there who maybe don't have any clue what that is or sure. have any framework for that. Sure. You know, uh, there's, I think there's quite a bit of negativity around it, but for us, it's, it's the only way we do business, really. For us, it's, it's very focused on being active, um, and all these rights that we're ask, asking for. And we want to bring opportunities in a lot of different areas and not just worrying about selling records. Going back to the whole word, word entertainment, the whole music company, w we've got to think broader. So, you know, our deals just consist of our quote-unquote 360 deals. I, I kind of like to refer to them as artist service deals. There's a couple other probably great phrases to, to explain it as well. But I think for us, it's it's very focused in kind of expanding our rights in some other key areas that have growth. You know, we invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into trying to launch an artist. And then as that launch happens, and if it's successful, you're going to keep spending more and more money, even just on that first record. So, you know, you could be in four or $500,000 if things are working really well on a project, sometimes even more. So for us, we know that in the current business model, you're probably not going to make that money back by just selling selling the records. Yeah. So for us, you know, we want to be involved. Obviously, we're launching this artist. We're investing all this money into it. We want to be involved in some of the areas to help get some of that, you know, investment back. And we think, hey, if we're going to ask for that, then we're going to invest in those areas too. It's more important to us for those areas to work. So whether it's live and touring, what's happening in socials and online, e-commerce, you know, there's there's all these areas that we have rights in that we do ask for something back from the artists at a certain point, 
typically it's not right away. You know, we want our artists to be healthy. We want our artists to tell their folks that, hey, this this works. So we don't want to just start grabbing things right away. We want the artists to build a little bit before we start asking for anything back. We want them to make money. If they're not making money and are healthy and and can survive and then thrive, if this thing works, we're not being a good partner. So we try to be very delicate and careful about when we start seeing some of those rights back to us. But I tell you what, in the last six, seven, eight years, we've invested more in the live space with our artists than ever. Two new artists that we're launching this year. I mean, we're anything we possibly can do to help them on the road, um, whether it's you know production stuff, you know vehicles, whatever it is. We're more inclined. You know, it's a case by case thing, but we're more inclined to invest in those areas because we want to build in that, and we see we have ownership in it. So you know, for us, we want to be good partners in this model, and to do that, you know, yes, we ask for something back down the road, but we also are, are investing. Uh, in those in those areas as well. So, to me, it's it, it makes sense. The record label mentality is is to me dated. Music is so much more than selling a product. And honestly, the whole selling a piece of product, as far as what we know of today, it may eventually go away. And how you see people consuming and and what streaming's doing versus even digital downloads and 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 obviously physical, you know, it's just a very different business. Sure. So do you guys not see as a company streaming being a viable way to replace what was there in selling a record? No, we do actually. I mean, I, I don't I have no no crystal ball to know whether it's going to fully replace, you know, I think don't quote me on these numbers. The music business, I think worldwide was like a fifteen billion dollar business at one point. I think that's a worldwide number. I could be that could just be a U.S. number, um, but I think it used to be about a fifteen billion dollar business, and and now it's half of that, give or take. So I, I don't know. Is streaming going to make up for that? I think it has the potential to, and I hope it does. You and I never lived in that world. Right. We never lived when, or we weren't in the business when when it was you know at that level. So I don't really know what that means, even if we would get back to it. But but I do think streaming has the ability to really impact, and I think really help music and artists and and songwriters if we can get it all right really flourish because i don't know about you but i enjoy consuming music in this manner so much more than i used to yeah did i love looking at uh cds or or cassettes and looking at all the paper you know all the packaging and all that kind of stuff sure i enjoyed all that and it was fun to see that but just the ease and the ability how quickly you can consume music i enjoy that even more because you can you can really broaden the amount of music that you can listen to in in a, a period of time. I mean, even this weekend, I was streaming all kinds of stuff as I was working around the house, stuff that before I would never even have a chance of listening to because I would never go to the store or go on iTunes and buy it. But now I can stream some weird playlist on Spotify uh, you know, for eight hours during the day while I'm working that I would never have a chance of having any interaction with that music. So... I think long term it's definitely the right way and I'm excited about it and and I think so you don't you don't miss having carrying around the CD binder with a thousand <laughs> yeah, CDs. Yeah, I was thinking like it. your visor in your car with all your CDs, you know. Did yours uh, ever like fall off? Oh while yeah, yeah, and the sun the starts eating away at the <laughs> elastic. Um so yeah, I mean I I don't miss any of that. I, honestly, I'm almost to the point where I've gotten rid of most of all my CDs and stuff. I have a little rack in my office where I have our product that we've made and I've got a drawer full of stuff, but I do, you know, there is going to be a point where I just toss it all. And I hate that, 
you know, it's, it feels like I, that's not something I should do, but especially working in the business. But, you know, it's just, it's all available at your fingertips wherever you're at, pretty much. So you, that's an interesting point. You work in music, but you sounds like you listen to a lot of music outside oh, man. of work. I, it's, it's nonstop. And it's not even, honestly, it's not even because I work in it. I, you know, I just enjoy music. You know, do, do I... Do I get tired sometimes? Sure. And I have to, there's sometimes I drive home and I'm sitting in silence, you know, and just taking a break from it. But ultimately anything I'm doing typically, you know, I'm usually, there's usually music somewhere involved in it. And, you know, like even being at home on the weekends and stuff, you know, I love having music a part of whatever I'm doing. So yeah, I thoroughly enjoy music. I will say I I probably, especially even with the streaming thing, I've expanded, you know, what I listen to, you know, even more than five years ago. So there, I definitely ha- still have a high level of enjoyment that I get out of, yeah. of music. You got any favorites right now? Oh, man. Or you know it, what? I'm embarrassing. Is it no, like, no, is not it at like, all. You know, I, is it all K-pop? <laughs> you know, I haven't gotten into the K-pop thing. Uh, I am somewhat familiar with it. Um, I have little girls at home. I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to see what it's like in yeah. five or ten years. But, yeah. you know, I've been listening to a lot of in- instrumental stuff, a lot of instrumental playlists. I think that's probably... Part of me, like Tycho, yeah. Part part of me decompressing from from a week full, yeah. and, and you know, I spend so much time in the song world too that it's it's kind of nice occasionally to not ha- listen to music that has yeah. any lyric. So you know, kind of like a lot of house remix, you know, that kind of stuff that just it still has a lot of energy and still has yeah. a pop thing yeah. to it, but you know, maybe doesn't always have a lot of lyric. So. That's kind of lately what I've been yeah. listening a lot to. I don't know if my wife likes it, so, um, <laughs> so I, you're out mowing the yeah. mowing the grass doing the night at the yeah, Roxbury to house. Yeah, party. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Please don't take pictures. So, but yeah, I, I it's I, I think music will always be a part of of what I'm doing, whether I'm working in the business or not. Because I, I mean, it was such a big part of even growing up. I just I, I've always enjoyed music. Yeah. So you kind of hit a good bit. One of the questions I was going to ask was, I mean, if you could put your meteorologist hat on, give us a forecast of what the next five to 10 years are going to be like in the music business. I mean, I'm sure you guys are meeting about those things every, you know, mm-hmm. every week in, in the yeah. office. What What are some of the things you guys are talking about if you're not to divulge all your secrets? No, no, but, I, don't I don't know if there's any secrets. Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I couldn't tell you what the next, six months is going to look like. I mean, do we forecast? Are we, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm typically looking at our release schedule for three years out, you know, and planning for planning for kind of releases and, and working on records and that kind of stuff as far out as I possibly can, just so that we have the best chance of making the best music we can. There's definitely some planning there. You know, I, we're definitely looking at all the kind of the metrics and where, where consumers are leaning and how they're consuming you know, there's everyone, everyone's kind of stating this. And I think it's been the case for uh, the last 10 or so years. There's just been this, you know, increasing growth of consumption. So for us, it's all about, okay, we know people are consuming music more than ever. And there's so much more out there that to be consumed. How are we going to, you know, what's the model to, to keep it a thriving business? And, 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 you know, what's, what's the finances look around that? So, I mean, we're real positive about it, honestly, just because we are um, diversified in how we are partnered with our artists. So, you know, we're we're doing we're doing some of our own tours. We're, you know, obviously involved in the booking side of things. We're involved in in merch and e-commerce. We're doing a ton in the sponsorship space. So, those are kind of some of the areas that I would say for us, 
prediction-wise, like looking at, at the future, I think those are all key areas that we see growth. You know, I think probably at least for the next five years, I still think, you know, radio and touring are two of the biggest areas of, you know, exploiting new artists and artists, period. You know, like there's still so much to be done there and so much growth, we feel like. I'm really excited about what's going on in touring and radio. You know, that's still going to be a big focus. But these other areas that I just mentioned, I think, are areas that we're trying to forecast. How do we how do we grow those areas and, and how do we de- develop those areas? So we, we talk about branding all the time. It's it's definitely overused at this point, but branding is a, a big key conversation of whether it's our tours or our artists or even songwriters and, and filmmakers. You know, there's how do you how do you stand out amongst everything that's out there? So yeah, I mean, forecast wise though, I, I still think consumption's gonna grow. I still think there's going to be music being created and and played somewhere in five years. Yeah, I mean, I still think there's going to be a listener, a radio format of some sort. You know, and I think you look at Christian radio. It's I think a lot of the numbers say, show you that it's growing too. So I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited about where the future goes. I mean, I'm always glass half full, but that's that's the mentality at Word, and that's from the top down. I mean, it's this can be a thriving business. It is a thriving business. It's a very different business than it was 15 years ago, but Let's find ways to partner with artists and find opportunities for them and, you know, hopefully partner with them in a way that fulfills what their calling is and their their mission and their ministry. So, so yeah, yeah. I don't know if that answered that question. Yeah, totally. Well, but. It's a great, great answer. And that kind of leads me to think about over the last, you know, four years, five years, I haven't been in the business that long, but one thing that has stood out to me and I think people around Nashville know word entertainment as is breaking new artists mm. phenomenally well mm. both at radio and both at live mm-hmm. so is there a prerequisite that you guys that kind of has to be there when you guys sign an artist what like do you require hey artists has got to have x number of social media followers do they have to already have done x amount of tour dates are that you know what's what yeah. are some of those yeah. things if there are any honestly there there aren't i mean all those things are helpful but I mean, I would say the majority of the artists that we've signed over the last 10 years, you know, they, they haven't had any huge numbers. For us, it's, you know, I, there's not a whole lot of analytics that go into it, even in making music and somewhat even in marketing it. You know, I think at the end of the day, people want to consume something that makes them feel something, you know, that it's an emotion. It's, um, there's something heart-wise and mind-wise involved in, in, in music. For us, it's it's that's how we go about partnering with artists. Let's find artists that you know. Yeah, we look at our roster, we look at what's out there market wise, we pay attention to it a lot. But you know, I, I want to work with somebody that that moves me, and I feel like it's going to move an audience. I do my job, I would say, for the most part, as I try to, anyways, as a consumer. I want to to think about what who, who we're working with and how we're creating music as an audience. You know, whether you're in the car or you know, you're, you're streaming at home or whatever it is, however you consume music, I, I want to think that way. I don't want to think of as, you know, someone that's a part of the process. That's a hard thing, especially 11, 12 years into doing it. But I still try to think with that mentality. I, that's why I don't consider myself a musician. I, 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 try, to, I try to step to the, to the side on that and listen more as a consumer. So coming back around, the prerequisites, no, really, honestly, no. I mean, I love to, I love to work with an artist that does have a great live show and is a great songwriter. And typically we're, 
we're signing artists that that is excelling in in one of those areas, if not both. But you know, every artist comes in at a different level, and it's our job to help develop that and help them grow and put them with the right people and the right creative folks and partnerships to to do that. So, you know, it usually comes down to some connection, some heart connection. You know, honestly, that you know makes us feel like, hey, this is a good partnership to have. And you know, we want to work with people that want to work with us. You know, if there's a lot of fantastic artists out there that have gone on to sign at other labels that, you know, we were interested in talking to or we put a deal out in front of, whatever it is, you know, like there's been a lot of those that have come come and gone that end up somewhere else. And that's great. I love that. And they have success and I'm cheering for them from the sidelines. But for us, you know, we want to work with the right artists and I try not to over-spiritualize it, but I just feel like the right ones are going to come our way and and we're going to make sense and partner with. And, you know, ones that don't make sense for us need to go, you know, they go somewhere else. So, um, but well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good segue. Cause I was thinking, you know, getting into the weeds a little bit, what, what are the last three things that you've signed? Oh goodness. I got to remember that. Uh, last things that was three things that we signed. We just signed a new artist, a guy named Stephen Malcolm actually uh, last Monday. So, uh, we're really excited about, excited about Stephen. He's, uh, he's, he's a hip hop artist. So excited about Stephen. Uh, before that, uh, probably a band called We Are Messengers that just recently released. Uh, a guy named Darren Mulligan. Uh, he's from Ireland and just love his spirit and just excited about that project. Uh, before that, probably a band called Stars Go Dim. We signed Stars, though, several years ago, and that's just been a, a development story for, for the last three years. We've got several other deals out right now that we're, yeah. we're about to wrap up. So Let's talk about specifically those three, just because I know a lot of people out there who are artists or, you know, thinking about being an artist. The question is always, how do you get your stuff found by a label? Sure. Or how do you get your stuff found by the right label? Mm-hmm. So yeah. with those three examples, how did those come about? How did you, what was the sure. initial connection? I mean, I can't speak for the entirety of, of Steven because I didn't actually sign Steven myself. It's it's one of our other A&R guys, Joseph Prolozny, that, that signed Steven. But, uh, and I'm not recalling kind of the first initial connection there. But I mean, ma- majority of the time, it's it's through relationship. Uh, Darren Mulligan, uh, the We Are Messengers band, uh, he was he was brought to me by a, a manager here in town. So you know that was just random relationship with that you know that that kind of built into something from from nothing. So, so what is, what does that specifically look like? Does he send you an email and say, "Hey, I have this guy. Check out his music," or is it like, "Hey, would you grab coffee with this guy? Would you go see a show?" Sure. What, what, what does I mean, that even it, it look can like? it can it can fluctuate a little bit, but yeah, it was a hey, you need to check out this link of this video that this guy from Ireland uh, did. So it was a song, it was a music video, and it just captured me right away. I was I was in right from the get go. There was something about he um, obviously his voice and the way he sung uh, sang the song and. Just the, you could tell there was some life and experience on this guy just through this video that was, uh, and emotion and passion in it that I just, I was captivated right away. So I knew I needed to talk to this guy. He was in Ireland though. He and his family lived there. So we we did a FaceTime or a Skype call and, and kind of spent an hour doing that. And I knew after that, hey, got to get this guy here. We got to spend some time with him, see what the team thinks. So, you know, every process is a little different, but but yeah, I mean, usually it's some kind of introduction in some manner, and it's, hey, hear this or watch this, and then I have the chance to do that and figure out, okay, do I want to take this a step further? So so yeah, I mean, that one probably took, if 
from the time I first found out about about him till the time the deal was done, maybe five, six months. And I would say, you know, honestly, that's pretty quick. I would say typically it's probably more like a probably more like a year or so. Yeah. You know, to once the time you meet somebody, the time the deal's done and you're starting starting to work together. So what happens in that year? Are you working together even before your deal's kind of signed? Yeah, I do. I try to. You know, we try to, you know, depending on whether they're here or not. If they're not here, especially if they're overseas, you know, try to get the deal done before we start spending a bunch of money um, traveling. Like, like and, flying them. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. stuff. But uh, with Darren specifically, he, uh, he, he wanted to move here. He wanted to move his family here. He felt like that was what he was supposed to do. So basically, I, I don't think... Think, I think he just came once, then we decided to do the deal, got the deal done, and then he moved his family over. So he really stepped out and, and took took a, took took a risk there and a chance. Was that so. you saying, hey, do you want to move to Nashville, or how did that even— I felt like—I I think we both came to the conclusion that for this to work, that he needed to be here. So And, and not necessarily right in Nashville. I mean, I, I think you—I just think he needed to be here in the States somewhere. So and it just made sense for him to be here. So and I, I think he would tell you today that it was it was most definitely the right decision. So I in making music and just be going through that development and creative process, it, it's extremely helpful for an artist to to be close. It's more cost effective too. You're not having to fly and travel and all that kind of stuff to to write. Uh, I mean, Darren wrote probably 120 songs over the course of that that year of of developing and making his record. That's a lot. I mean. It's a lot of songs. Not every artist does that, but for him, he just he wanted to keep going. So, um, and I loved it. So yeah, you know if so you've if, got 120 to get down to 15 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if he was in Ireland, there was not a chance we would have that many songs. So yeah. and it would have cost us a whole lot more money to make the record. Yeah. So well, so from what from what I know of him as a person, he, there's probably some good songs in that extra 100 or Yeah, so. actually honestly, I we, we've had several cut already um yeah. and some significant yeah cuts as well. So new cut on the uh, Passion record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh Crowder Crowder jumped in on a song with yeah, him. Phenomenal. And, yeah, so, you know, I I'll take all the other ones by the way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's there's definitely some <laughs> there's definitely some gems in there that that just didn't fit. We didn't feel like they fit his record, but but some fantastic songs. So so yeah, every process is a little different with artists, you know. Um, I I do think. Uh, what about what about Stars Go Dim? Do you, yeah. Do you remember the the introduction? Yeah, I I honestly I think that was through a, a producer writer in town that that and a, and a manager kind of both bringing that to us, and we were familiar with the band because they've had a little little success bef- as independent artists. Uh, had some radio success several years ago um, at the CHR format, so. We were familiar with them, so brought kind of the main main guy Chris Cleveland in town, and and was hanging with him. And the guy can can sure can sing, and we just we really uh, enjoyed our time, and and felt like hey, if we're all vision wise going in the same direction on this, uh, this could be this could be something really cool. So and we were, and took a little bit to get that deal done, uh, just like any deal, honestly. But and then it was just a process that they're from Tulsa, and it was just a process of writing and developing and, and figuring out what this thing looks like and making sure we we crafted the right project for the vision that we we all put together. So it just took more time. And, and some of that leads back to the fact that they weren't here, so it, it's naturally going to take more time. We sent quite a few folks out to Tulsa to work with work, work with them as well. And, you know, it was just kind of back and forth for probably, I don't know, probably a year and a half or so of, of trying to figure out where this is going to go. And then we finally landed the plane and, and felt like we had the majority of everything we needed and 
so yeah, that was that was just a little longer developmental process. But some of that was also not only the distant, long distance thing, but but they the also um, several of them have full time worship leader roles in in local churches there. So you know we wanted to be sensitive to that too, and and allow them to keep doing that if that's what they wanted to do. So yeah, we just trying to treat every situation differently and not yeah. just kind of run it through a process that we do with everybody. Maybe so. you can speak a little bit because you talked about it for yourself earlier and you just talked about it from Darren's perspective from We Are Messengers and the Stars Go Dim example. How important is it to move to Nashville if you want to get into the music business? Yeah, I mean, I think the significance of being here would just be you have a better chance of connecting with folks and building relationships with folks more, maybe a little more organically and naturally. You know, you're going to cross paths with more people in the business. You're going to have the opportunity to collaborate with people. You know, obviously you still have to get in the room with those people and yet they have to be willing, whoever it is that you want to get in the room with. And you may have to, you know, start at a certain level and build your way to certain folks. But, you know, I just, I think there's just a proximity thing of, of more people uh, that are doing what you want to do. And, um, you know, I think it also honestly speaks to your commitment. I, it's not a must. We have, pl- I would say, probably close to half our roster doesn't live here, so it's it's not a must. But especially as a developing artist and and you know an independent artist, I do think if it if you can figure out a way for it to make sense, you're at least going to have the ability on the developmental and creative side to have more opportunities. But you know, if you're not here, I I just encourage folks to find other people around you to collaborate with and partner with, whether it's writing and, and the, you know, recording the creative process or even touring wise. I always tell artists, Hey, you know, if you got a, there's a couple of touring bands or artists around you that are doing similar things and you have a similar audience, you know, open up for them and, and their show at the town next to you. Then, and then do the, you know, reciprocal and they come open up for you and in your town or whatever. So you're not going to do this on your own. You've got to have people in your life, your lives to to help you develop. Um, it's just like anything in life. We're not meant to do this alone. So, and music is very much the case of that. It, we, you need good people around you to help you become better at whatever you're doing, and not just your mom or your brother, your sister, whatever, your dad. You need people that 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 do have been involved in the business. And it's hard. It's hard to find people to trust sometimes, but. You know, I do think it's very important to surround yourself with great people. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little nugget of gold for everybody out there. You're not going to do do it on your own. It's yep. music's very much a team sport. Yep. And speaking of teams that have become successful, one of probably I, I would I would think just from an outside perspective, one of your more prouder moments in the last ten years has been with, uh, well, I guess not moment, but I guess just artist. One of your proudest uh, artists in the last several years is this band for King and Country. Yeah. So can you share a little bit? Because I, there's not a day that goes by that you, you kind of don't hear their name c- come up in some kind of conversation, whether it's about their live show mm-hmm. or their record or, hey, they just played, you know, Today Show or sure. yeah. doing a movie or what, whatever it is. Their, their name somehow is always coming up. Yeah. You know, that's one of those things that, uh, I mean, that's been a long time in process, honestly, probably for close to 20 years if not more you know they've been around the business for a long time their sister uh 20 years yeah yeah their sister i mean they they're not they're not they're, they're still young guys but but their sister has been been in the business uh rebecca st james and had a really successful career and they toured with her a lot and had um 
had a lot of experience on the road and helping manage her touring and performing with her and opening for her. So they've been around this thing for a long time and seen and heard a lot. Their their father, which is also their manager, has was in the business. Um, they're from Australia originally. He was in the business there and a promoter and learned a lot there. Then came here and they've just they've been through a lot and they've had a lot of life experience when it comes to music, being on the road. So. All that, I think, culminates to to where they're at today and just their ability to to put on their the live show that they put on, the songs that they, they write. I just They've been around the business for a long time and have really have a ministry heart and a real focus on what they're doing. So I've been working with them probably for, I don't know, five or six years now, and it's just been... They've challenged me a lot, and, and they're very, very dear to me, and, and I love working with them. Yeah, I'm just... Uh, those those guys are, uh, are are definitely one of a kind. So honestly, when we first started with them, though, they, it was kind of trying to figure out where do they where do they go, where do they fit. They were very different for our market. You know, there was a lot of work. We made a whole record, and then decided, you know what, this isn't this isn't done yet. It isn't right yet. So went back in and and did four more songs. So they've they've been they've been through quite the developmental like process early on, but. I think all that's really paid off, obviously, where they're just having a ton of success and, and really connecting well, and, and fans are loving what they do. So, so yeah, I, I've, I've just been glad to be a, been along for the ride. Yeah, that's interesting to hear you say that. So there hasn't been any grand strategy that you guys have done different with them than anybody else. No, I mean, you know, I think for us it's, it's you know, going back to treating everybody kind of what they are and trying to partner with them in the right way. And, and those guys, you know, I think we've just tried to put fuel in the fire where, where need be. You know, they've always, had a, they've always had a vision and a sense to, be, to go wider than even just the Christian market, and they're, they're getting some of those opportunities now. It's not a main focus, but it's, it's definitely part of their story. I'd love to talk a little bit about that sure. because that's something that I hear, you know, at least <laughs> at least once a week from, yeah. from an artist. Man, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to cross over. I'd love to, yeah, whatever it is. You switch foot as an example, sure. or you know, start sure. starting the Christian market, or even outside of this thing, maybe they start in country and cross over to pop. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you can strategically do? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I can't speak with a ton of authority on it, but I, I will say that, you know. For us, we want to partner with artists that their focus is still in, in faith-based music. That's kind of our, our core of who we are. But I do think more than now than ever, more now than ever, uh, there's opportunities for that. I mean, we're, we're seeing it across the board, whether it's an artist that you know we really do feel like has the ability to, to go cross over and be in a wider, a wider audience, or an artist that probably never will, but there's still opportunities you know, um, especially in how we work with artists, whether it's, you know, sponsorship related, you know, or just partners, period. I, I No matter what your business is, most businesses are looking for more consumers and more eyeballs. Um, and they're willing to try different things to go about doing that. So, you know, a, a lot of artists, especially as they grow and build, they have a lot of folks that pay attention to what they're doing. So there's opportunities to explore that and and partner in ways that that goes beyond just Christian side of things. So now you know there there are there is strategy to taking an artist to more of a mainstream audience. You know, there's a radio strategy. We're working on that right now. We've we've done one single to Hot AC mainstream radio on for King Country, and now we're discussing what what do we do next and what that what that looks like. I mean, I think any 
any format is looking for artists that not only fit it, but that are committed to it. So, you know, for us, it's, it's a big commitment. You know, if we're going to keep doing this, there's a lot of time and effort and money that goes into it. You have to find the right partners. You know, we can do some of it in-house, but, you know, some of it we have to, to go elsewhere partnership-wise. So, Well, that's key, and I, I don't want to just gloss over that, that formats, no matter what the format is, whether it's country or Christian or pop or college, rate, whatever it is, are looking for committed artists. Yeah. And if, if that's not you, if you're like, hey, I really don't like the format, but I'd like to just have the radio play, it's probably not going to be a long-term. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, w- that's the one thing I'm always looking for when they're looking at artists is if, if someone's coming in and just they're looking for this as, you know, a stepping stone to something else, you know, I, I, this probably is not going to be a fit for us because we want people that are committed to it, you know. That, that's what the audience wants. That's what the, what the gatekeepers want. You know, they want someone that's, that's really committed to buying in and influencing and, and really being a part of, of that base. So for us, you know, we're not going to sign an artist that just wants Typically, we're not going to sign an artist that just wants to go and do a mainstream thing because we're probably not the right home. So I, I think it's very important. I, I too, I, I'm a little worn out by the whole, hey, you know, we really just want to do a mainstream thing. Um, you know, and that's fine. Not that, not that an artist, that, that's, that's great. If that's where the artist fits and that's what they're supposed to do, awesome. But they're um, probably not going to be a good Yeah, it's just probably not a fit for you. us or, or yeah. probably not even a fit, you know, Christian radio in the Christian market. So, you know, or if it's country or if it's pop, you know. There, there has to be, there has to be a commitment there because it's not typically, it's not going to happen just overnight. You know, you're going to have to build to it. Yeah, you could have a, a big hit still in the market, but are you going to have several and build a, a career out of it? I, my guess is no, if you're not committed to it. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, uh, this has been incredibly insightful, and I think uh, I, I learned a ton from it. I think other people are going to get a ton out of it too. Is there a trick or tip or hack or anything you'd like to leave the audience with of like here's the thing you need yeah to, to become successful we, as an we, artist we've really been talking a lot lately um just in our meetings and, and conversations at word is just authenticity the words overused i get it but i i just think we're in um a season of music more than ever that people want something that's real and they want something that is is they can connect to and that's meaningful and they feel like is just honest you know i you know the word honest is being used a lot too i mean there's companies now with it and you know like there's there's just this searching for real and i've been encouraging artists whether our artists or artists that we're looking at or artists that have nothing to do with us just be who you are don't try to just do something that you think's going to work do something that's you, that's unique, you know, see where that leads. Because ultimately, I feel like if you're not authentic in, in what you're called to do and your artistry and who you are and what you want to do and who you want to speak to, you're event- that it's eventually going to surface, whether it's, you know, the, the, the lack of authenticity or the real you is going to surface. And if someone's partnered with you in a way that they think you're this, but you're really this... You know, I, I, it may, it, there's a good chance of it not ending well. So I've just been telling artists, kind of beating them over the head as much as I can in the right conversation of, let's not try to do this or go after this. Let's figure out who you are and what you want to do. And if that makes sense for all of us involved, great. If not, that's fine too. But I think being authentic is what people want. They want, they want something real. So 
that's been my challenge to not only us and what we're doing. I mean, even myself and my role, I need to be who I am. I'm not going to be some other A&R guy or some other publishing guy or whatever. I'm going to be focused on, hey, these are my strengths and my weaknesses, and how do how do I do what I'm called to do? Yeah. So That's phenomenal. So it takes a team, be committed, and be authentic. Those are some really good tips. So thanks, Josh Bailey, for being here with Glad us to today. Full Circle yep, Music thanks, Show. Uh, it's been an honor. You've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Produced by Full Circle Music Company, editing help by Jericho Scroggins. We'd love to see you on Snapchat. If you guys have Snapchats out there, follow us. Our username is Full Circle M, just the letter M, Full Circle M. Send us a snap. We'd love to interact with you on there. And if you haven't already, go to fullcirclemusic.org. We've got a free guide for how to set up your own studio. Check it out, fullcirclemusic.org, and you can get it right there today for free. We'll see you next week.